0: I'd like to start by thanking the AMA, the American American Medical Association, uh, for sponsoring this event and sort of helping bring all this together. Uh, We've got an incredible group uh, from representing the Westside United, uh, Rush University Medical Center, uh, of course, Lurie Children's Hospital, um, Northern Trust, uh, Allies for Community Business, Uh, Thank you all for your partnership, and we'll hear from leaders along the way of each of those, so I don't want to get into too many introductions so that we can keep this quick. I do want to recognize someone that we've all seen quite a bit over this pandemic, at least on the screen. Uh, Dr. Azike is here to join us. And (laughs) sorry, just as you were taking a bite, (laughs) thank you for all all your great public service and, and leading us in this state through Quite a couple of years, so thank you, doctor. Uh, we do have a lot of doctors. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get moving. I do want to, I, <laughs> I, I, do want to thank. Uh, we have two Westside United grantees, uh, two sisters catering, and the back of the yard's coffee. I heard that cinnamon coffee is incredible. Is it? All right, so I'm gonna try that after I get off the uh, the podium here. So thank you to them and their staff for uh, making the food and, and beverage all possible here. And then I'm going to introduce uh, Brad McConnell. Who uh, there's Brad, uh, who runs this incredible place. They just built this in 2019, um, and Brad and his team have been great partners in in this sort of unique program. Um, thank you for all that you've done for the hatchery, for this neighborhood, uh, and and of course for today and for City Club of Chicago. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, um, CEO of allies for community business, Brad McConnell. Thanks, Brad. Good morning, everyone.
1: My name is Brad McConnell. I'm the CEO here at Allies for Community Business. We are a nonprofit whose mission is to provide the capital, the coaching, and the connections that entrepreneurs need to grow businesses that create jobs in our communities. So we've provided, since the pandemic began, Almost $700 million in grants and loans to Illinois businesses in order to make sure that as many of those businesses as possible can persevere and continue to provide the services we need in our communities. Combine that with the free coaching that we offer, we've helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs in the last two and a half years, but it's not nearly enough. There's much, much more work to do. We do all of that work from here on the west side of Chicago in Garfield Park at the Hatchery. So our offices are just over there, and the reason is that we're also the co-owner and the co-operator of this building, the Hatchery. So this, of course, is specifically for food and beverage businesses, and here we provide physical space. There's 54 private kitchens over there, There's five shared kitchen bays right here. We've got all the wraparound services in classic incubator fashion that entrepreneurs need to be successful. And on top of that, we try to create community here using the plaza out there and this space here by hosting the Garfield Park Neighborhood Market twice a month in partnership with the Garfield Park Community Council. On top of that, we help create jobs and help prepare people for those jobs, including for young adults, a partnership with Chef Bayless, where we run uh, the Impact Culinary Training Program out of the training kitchen just over over here. All of that is only possible with partners. And so West State United, Northern Trust, on and on and on, lots of people in this room have been the facility through which we can do our work. And so if you want to learn more about our work, a4cb.org is the place to go. If you want to learn more about the hatchery, take the tour. As soon as this event is over, meet over here at the glass uh, doors. But thank you and welcome to all of you
0: here to the hatchery. Yeah. Great. Now i will uh, like to introduce the CEO of the American Medical Association. So we have uh, a great partner today uh, and, and we're going to hear some some great news from Dr. Jim Madera. Um Jim is the CEO and Executive Vice President of the AMA, uh, the nation's largest phys- physician organization. He's also an adjunct professor in his free time at Northwestern University, right? And uh, is a great partner to the city club uh, he's going to come and, uh, and mention something and also introduce our next speaker so please welcome dr james james madeira
2: well good morning for me as well and i want to thank everyone uh for coming and thank the city club for hosting uh this event you know, our relationship at the AMA with Westside United uh, began in February of 2020. We didn't know what was going to happen in the next few weeks. Uh, and, and what the pandemic revealed in part uh, was just a laying bare of the product of inequities in our society. Uh, people began paying attention to the fact that if we look at the West Side uh, and life expectancy, there's a 17-year difference than uh, the community uh, around the AMA building. And those were due to structural and social inequities. uh, And those structural and social inequities that produced that variation in life expectancy are the inequities that we hope to attenuate uh, through uh, our, our work uh, so today um, we 'll continue that partnership with West Side United, and we' we'll, are happy and pleased to announce that we will give another $3 dollars $3 rather um, for the next three years. <laughs> I was just focused on not saying billion. Uh, but the investments, including ours uh, in West Side United, since 2018, uh, there have been 475 low-interest loans uh, given to entrepreneurs, uh, community organizations, small businesses in this area of town. There have been uh, 420 either new or refurbished homes that result from the investments of West Side United. Uh, There are 500 jobs uh, that have been created. And we're not just uh, interested in uh, providing financial resources. Uh, We're interested in medicine, as you might guess. Uh, I saw Dr. Karen Khameneh, in the audience, uh, doing work on hypertension and hypertension control in populations uh, like the one here uh, in, on in the West Side, and we'd also like to uh, contribute thought partnership to the degree that we can. Um, we focus, uh, I think, a lot on uh, in what we do and uh, in, in in what has been called by the Center for Health Equity that Dr. Aletha Maybank leads, uh, upstream uh, kind of investments. So if there are uh, social and structural inequities that produce, for example, the difference in lifespan that I mentioned, uh, why deal with the chronic disease? You have to deal with a chronic disease that results from that, uh, where people die earlier and sicker. Uh, But if you can prevent that chronic disease, uh, that is going upstream. And this work is part of a national strategy uh, led by uh, the Center for Health Equity. Uh, The Center for Health Equity is is our hub for thinking about health equity at the AMA. Uh, But the spokes reach out to all the business units, and all the business units have activities uh, around uh, health equity. And in fact, health equity is a key part of the strategic framework of the AMA. We have three focused arcs, three accelerators, of which health equity is one. And we know that the results that we see in terms of chronic disease, early death, are due to decades. Uh, and, and long-standing disinvestment uh, from communities like the West Side, as well as racist policies and, and practices that are endemic uh, in our society. And we also aspire to understand those and understand uh, f- our role in those uh, practices of the past, uh, as well as how one can attenuate those In the current area. So the investment from businesses and organizations such as ours uh, is paralleled by really careful planning and deep coordination with civic leaders, faith-based leaders, and we're looking for a partnership, and we're looking for a partnership with everyone in this room. And I think these are organizations represented here that partner with each other. Uh, we have a sense of urgency about this, as do all of you. Uh, when we think about sort of the biphasic nature of health care in our country, uh, it's an embarrassment. Uh, and we also know that the lack of health equity in all of the three major arcs of our strategic framework The lack of health equity in society uh, contributes a glass ceiling uh, so that we cannot get the progress that we need, whether it be uh, improving patient-physician interactions, uh, whether it be formalized medical education, or whether it be this problem of chronic disease that now consumes over 90% of our $4 trillion uh, annual healthcare spend. So we're pleased to be here. We're happy to contribute in some small way. Uh, We like and hope to partner uh, with all of you. And in saying that, it's my pleasure to introduce another partner, Uh, and that's Dr. Thomas Shanley, who's uh, CEO of Lurie Children's Hospital.
3: Tom? Well, thank you, Dr. Madera. It's my uh, honor and privilege to be able to serve as president and CEO at Lurie Children's Hospital, and uh, certainly want to extend my warm welcome to all of you. Um, I, I almost hesitated to break all the incredibly powerful conversations that were happening about the great work that's being done with Westside United, uh, but want to thank the City Club for bringing us here together and the Hatchery team for uh, hosting it as well. And I'm um, really, really pleased today to welcome the American Medical Association. To the Westside United as an anchor mission partner, um, and I really commend, as we heard, the significant vision that the AMA has in terms of transforming communities and really advancing health promotion as much as health care. Uh, on behalf of Lurie Children's, it's an honor to welcome all of the Westside United Hospital partners: Sinai Health System, UI Health, Ascension, Cook County Health. Rush, and of course, Lurie Children's Hospital. We consider ourselves remarkably privileged to partner with these amazing hospitals and all of the community-based organizations to address what Dr. Madera identified as just incredibly unacceptable health disparities in our communities. And uh, often people will ask, well... Dr. Shanley, you run a health center. You, run, you deliver care. Why are you involved in, um, involved in community and spending research and energy uh, from the aspect of improving the economic and social conditions of our communities? And I couldn't disagree more or argue more with them about the mission and the vision of Lurie Children's and the alignment of this effort to that vision of being a transformative force for care and innovation to achieve a healthier future for every child. And remember that the disparities start in childhood, and so privileged to be with the organization that brings a pediatric focus and pediatric expertise to the West Side United Collaborative to ensure that we have a comprehensive vision in how to address the generations of the challenges that we have. And for Lurie Children's, we've been in this game for a long time. We've been actively participating in our social impact investing. Uh, Dr. Madera mentioned the business uh, grant pool that we've continued to contribute to engaging in small businesses, for our supply chain, as many of the hospitals do, and delighted to have our supply chain leadership here, Uh, and active recruiting, retention, and advancements of our hospital workforce through many programs, including our pipeline programs, and have the privilege of meeting with our uh, interns in the summer that have our Discovering Healthcare Careers program, uh, which serves as a hiring pipeline for incredibly talented individuals from the west side, uh, and excited to always be able to spend time with them each summer. All of these activities are focused on our West Side communities that, again, as Dr. Madera had mentioned, have been subject to disinvestment for far too long. And it's important for us to ensure that our children are, have the conditions in which they live, where they live, learn, and play to enable them to be healthy. This is what Dr. Davis likes to call Health Care Plus, and it is absolutely aligned to the mission we have for transforming the health. And the well-being, because not only do the kids have to be healthy, they have to be educated and they have to have the economic opportunities that so many of us were privileged uh, to enjoy. So we're thrilled that there's such great synergy with our West Side Hospitals. And I know that the partnerships that we have we can achieve so much more together than any one single institution. And I think that's so much of the foundational impetus that we have as a West Side United Collaborative. So very excited to have the AMA join this as our community partners as well. Uh, and we, uh, don't, you don't have a program like this that's successful and impactful without out, outstanding leadership. And so West Side United uh, has had a very, very capable and talented executive director who's really been there from, from the beginning with us all. So I'm very delighted to introduce Aisha Jaco as our Executive Director of Westside United.
4: Thank you, Dr. Shanley, and good morning to each of you. Yes. I'd like to welcome you on behalf of my amazing team, who are spread across this room, um, and our community partners, our community advisory council, our executive leadership council. And I'd like to give a special thanks to the City Club for partnering with us for this series, the Hatchery again, Brad and team for hosting us, our amazing grantees that you heard about, Northern Trust. Londell Christian Development Corporation, and the American Medical Association for your continued partnership. I'd like to take a brief moment to acknowledge as well the indigenous land that we now inhabit, recognizing the original stewards of this corridor, also known as the Ottawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi. Every time I gather in this space as executive director for West Side United, I am reminded of my childhood. In 1989, my mother moved her five children right across the way at 3125 West Washington. We spent, or I spent 14 years of my life on this corridor right outside of here, shopping at the shuttered food and liquor store, which was our only grocery store doing our laundry across the street. If you go out, you'll see a shuttered laundromat. There was a bookstore down the way that you could get cultural artifacts uh, from. And every business that I've mentioned is no longer in existence. But what is here is each of us. And this space that used to be an empty lot that was brought back to life by community champions like Angela Taylor who put a marketplace here and of course the building that we stand in today. This transformation, fast forwarding 33 years from when I first moved to this community, resonates loud and really pushes forth the power of partnership and what we're able to do when we put health equity at the forefront. Another redemptive highlight is what you heard about our work, and I would like to invite you to, in your chairs, take a look at our impact report, take a look at the two-pager that we have today to talk about some of those impacts, but it is the small business incubator that we find ourselves in that will take on some of those empty storefronts, that will take on some of the empty lots, and bring back some of the vibrancy that stood in these communities, and that still exists. Westside United's aim to improve the quality of life for Westside residents, acknowledging and addressing the life expectancy gap and the role of structural racism and historical disinvestment is a tall order. And we cannot do it alone. We are a convener of our health care partners. So thank you again to each of our hospitals, each of our community members, each of you. As we think about our impact since 2018, we have invested $177 million collectively to the West Side through procurement, small business grants, and what we're gonna highlight today, social impact investing. And having a partner like the American Medical Association standing up a Center for Health Equity, reaching out to Westside United and our partners to deepen our impact here has been a game changer. And as Dr. Madera said, February, 2020, we got together to talk about the first round and Mayor Lightfoot was there and there were these flood of questions around COVID. And we looked around the room and shook our heads and shrugged our shoulders only to get a rude awakening a few weeks later. And with that, through the billions of dollars lost, the lives lost, the inconveniences, we are back today with a renewed commitment from the American Medical Association. And we are so proud. And I'd like to just thank you again, Dr. Madeira, Dr. Alitha Maybanks, Deanna DeRehe, Juana, and the entire team for joining us on our journey to decrease the life expectancy gap. So we're going to, yes, let's give a hand. So we're going to talk more about that on our panel as you hear from our distinguished guest. I'd like to turn your attention to a video highlighting some of our work with our CDF partners and where AMA has stepped in. Westside,
5: Westside United Impact Investing represents a strong collaborative and one of the strongest social impact investments on the West Side.
6: It's important for institutions to invest in Westside communities because for decades, those communities have been disinvested. Uh, people have not come to those communities. Businesses have not built their uh, businesses in those communities. And it's, it's vital that communities have an opportunity to grow, to find jobs to create wealth for the people who live in those communities, because all of that is really very important to health. Many of us know that the difference in
7: life expectancy between a household, a family on the West Side, and that same household or family in Streeterville, for example, can be 10 years. The members of West Side United and CDFIs like my own are working together to reduce that gap in life expectancy to improve the social determinants of health on the West Side.
5: Impact investing is an opportunity for our institutional partners, such as the American Medical Association, our founding hospital partners, and the Illinois Medical District to reallocate their existing resources towards community projects. In short, it's low-interest loans to increase economic opportunity.
6: AMA's big vision for health equity is aligned with Westside United's vision because we know that we have to be close to the people in the community if we're going to stand a chance to create a program that can be really successful. You've got to be on the ground, you've got to listen, you've got to understand what the issues are in order to solve this problem. Impact investing
7: is really about a philosophy. It's when a foundation, a corporation, government, or an individual makes a decision on an investment that is really driven by the social benefit or the environmental benefit that they anticipate as opposed to focusing more narrowly on that traditional profit or market rate return.
5: These loans support a wide range of community investments from education to affordable housing, small business supports, and construction for community projects.
8: We are so grateful for the support of Westside United and the IFF in our organization because we were able to get access to low-interest loans to be able to fund our project and our renovation for the purchase of our building in North Lawndale area of Chicago.
5: Westside United's anchor partners for impact investing include the Illinois Medical District, the American Medical Association, Northern Trust, and our founding hospitals, Rush University Medical Center, Lurie Children's Hospital, Cook County Health, UI Health, Sinai Chicago, and Ascension. Westside United partners with four community development financial institutions who have a complementary and holistic approach to impact investing. LISC Chicago lends to and supports community agency through quality of life planning processes, The Chicago Community Loan Fund offers technical assistance to support borrowers in addition to increased access to capital. Allies for Community Business provides individual supports for small businesses, and IFF finances nonprofits' capital projects.
7: The impact investing that Westside United is doing through CDFIs is already changing the landscape of affordable housing, job creation, homeownership on the west side.
9: I have a passion for affordable housing. I have a passion for youth homelessness I and mean, I like to fix up distressed properties. I like to provide affordable housing for people who typically couldn't afford market value houses. It's really a great opportunity for organizations like mine to have access to low interest loans specifically because I do most of my work in inner city. So having access to that allows me to do projects that I probably
8: typically wouldn't be able to afford to do. Having access to low interest loans is one of the greatest blessings that a nonprofit could have.
6: The investments that the AMA is making in West Side United, along with many others, are different than previous investments because they're targeted, because we're understanding the root problems in these communities and learning from the communities themselves before we make the investments.
9: I just feel like we all have this gift and we all have these things that we love to do um, to help people to move forward. And when I'm able to do that and it makes a difference, it's even better.
0: So much good happening. Thank you uh, all for, for all those efforts. And uh, to hear a little more about it, I'll, um, in the spirit of, of partnership, mention one more partner uh, Northern Trust and Debbie Casemeyer, who's going to um, kick off our panel. Great. Thank, Thank you.
10: you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Debbie Case-Meyer. Um, I work in Northern Trust. I manage our community development and investment group. So it's my job to deploy the bank's capital in underserved communities really across the U.S. Um, we have a sort of unique approach to our investment in communities. Uh, we invest to not maximize profit, but to maximize uh, social impact. We do underwrite to get our principal back. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do this work, um, but we are trying to maximize the impact created. Overall, we have a portfolio of about 1. Five billion dollars—billion—I did say billion <laughs> <laughs> um, dollars invested in communities and use a wide variety of tools um, to advance the work. Um, so we have this great panel here. I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves quickly, and then we have some questions that we're going to go through um, that we hope will uh, give a little more life um, to the impact investing work that we're doing on the West Side. So Alex, want to just hey,
8: good, morning,
11: good morning, everyone. Uh, Alex Wiggins with Russian University Medical Center. I'm their chief investment officer.
8: Good morning. Buenos dias. Uh, Diana Dereje, Vice President of Health Equity Strategy and Development, the Center for Health Equity at the American Medical Association.
4: Good morning. You all know me, but hello again. Aisha Jayco, Executive Director of Westside United.
12: Good morning. I'm Richard Townsend. I'm the Executive Director of Mondale Christian Development Corporation and also a member of the North Mondale Homeowners Association.
10: I think what's interesting, and this is for Richard and I probably more so than and some of you in the audience, is we've been doing this work for a really long time, right? So 30 years we've been slugging in the community. I was two. Trying, yeah, you know, <laughs> doing you know, making these investments, making these loans, and you were two, making community loans and trying to um, impact communities. So... It has been great uh, to have the hospitals, um, the health networks, join us in this uh, adventure. I would say um, so. it's very important because leverage is important Um, as someone said in the the video none of this can do it alone we all have to come together bring our different resources our different expertise together in order for us to advance this work and that's really what we did with this investment collaborative that we created under Westside United Um, so really what happened in the situation was there was some investing um, that was done at Lurie there was some that was done at Rush but it really didn't come together Until Westside United was formed. So, once Westside United was formed, then it was a much more intentional, like, how can we come together and do this type of investing? Northern Trust got involved because we also do invest a lot of capital in the city of Chicago, so it made sense for us to join this collaborative as well. Um, And then the AMA joined us. a little bit further down the road, but after we had gotten a little bit formed. But what we did was we created an investment collaborative. Um, A lot of times in my work, you'll see people say, let's start a fund, we're gonna start a fund. Um, The problem with that is you can aggregate lots of capital, but you can't always deploy it. So it goes unused and sits there and doesn't really work. In our case, what we said is, let's not do that, let's create an investment collaborative. What that means is that each of us come together with our own commitments. So each of us have a commitment that we've made of how much investment capital we have but we join together in terms of sharing transactions with like so sharing information on the CDFIs Northern Trust does the underwriting, we share that across our partnership and then each individual institution decides what investments they're going to make into which entity for what amount and what those individual terms are. So it's really the best of both worlds. We're able to collaborate and share but we're each able to individually decide what's best for our individual organizations. So that's sort of a level set so I'm just going to go around and ask some questions um, for each of the panelists here to talk about sort of their motivations for doing this work and anything else they want to share so Alex we're going to start with you Um, so you started this impact investing um, how did it involve into that investment collaborative that I just described from your perspective like how did you look at that and how did you decide that that was a good idea
11: Yeah, you just stole half my remarks. I know, I'm sorry. um, (laughs) I'm going to go back probably four or five years ago when our chief medical officer, uh, Dr. David Ansell at the time, approached us and and asked us to consider uh, taking some of our assets and and investing directly in the West Side communities. Um, And when he talked about the why, which I think was pretty well captured in that amazing video, you know, it was a relatively easy sell, and it was, uh, I think, the right thing to do. The question became, or the challenge was, you know, how do we do it? Um, and what we really didn't want to do, what I didn't really want to do, was have to you know, source individual projects and businesses to, to give loans to. That's A, time-consuming, and B, very risky. So through our research, we were able to kind of discover this network of CDFIs um, some based here in Chicago that we thought could allow us to efficiently and I think prudently kind of invest our capital. So we just saw uh, on the video uh, Calvin Holmes from uh, the president of uh, Chicago New Community Loan Fund, which is one of the CDFIs we work with, talk about how the investments are important and how, they're, how we are collectively changing the landscape of the west side. This building, uh, this food and beverage incubator we sit in uh, today, um, was partially funded with capital from CDFIs. So, you know, I don't want to be presumptuous also, and assume that everyone in this group knows what CDFIs are, they were kind of mentioned that video, but let me just describe to you quickly how I think about them or how I would describe them. So, um, you know, I think of CDFIs as a banks, banks with a social mission, so even though, uh, you know, most banks, you know, Debbie, you know, talking about specific area, but most banks are generally there to maximize their profits. And CDFIs, there, I think, are there to maximize their social impact. So how it works is we lend money to the CDFIs who are generally at a below market rate. And those CDFIs then in turn lend capital to uh, businesses and organizations that otherwise would not be able to get financing from traditional uh, or mainstream banking or lending uh, institutions. So, um, you know, I said that they were an efficient way for, for us to invest our capital Um, What I mean by that is in 2021, uh, Rush, I think, lent around a little bit over $2 million to three CDFIs. So during 2021, those CDFIs in turn uh, closed on 85 loans, totaling over, uh, I think, $90 million or $9 million. million. Um, I think they preserved or created uh, over 125 jobs and created or preserved over 600 units of housing. You know, we probably would not have been able to get that level of impact just doing it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, When I talk about prudent, you know, as a steward of Russia's capital, CDFIs are a relatively low risk way for us to invest. Um, The CDFIs we partner with are well capitalized. Um, They have uh, remarkably low loss ratios. So, you know, um, when you kind of put the whole package together, it just made a lot of sense for us to, to, to do it this way. Um, so, we have six million dollars invested today uh, with CDFI's Rush does, and we couldn't be uh, you know, more supportive or bigger fans of what they do. Um, going on to the second part of your question, how it has evolved, I think to, to the collaborative, um, Debbie touched a lot on this already. Um, I think the, you know, there was always this initial vision of this having to have partners. And so what the uh, West Side United does, it provides a structure for us to do that. So we can coordinate activity, as, as Debbie mentioned, and share outcomes. And unlike a traditional investment fund, like a private equity fund, I think every institution can chart their own, their own path. So they can pick which CDFIs to invest in. They can decide how much they want to invest in. We're just there to coordinate and share outcomes again. And we also benefit, I think, with the shared resources of Westside United. We benefit from having the council or the advice from the community. So I think it's a very unique model.
10: And what did the AMA bring to the collaborative when they joined?
11: Well, I think first, you know... Um, we're honored that the AMA is, is in the collaborative. They've been a, a value-added partner since day one. Um, the, the types of resources, they just bring the resources to a whole other level given their, their uh, what they do and their national presence. So you know we're thrilled that they're um, going to basically double down on their commitment. so thank you. Um, I know you know Diane and her team are also helping now work with uh, measurement. You know, we're trying to take that to the next level. How do we really get outcomes that we think are going to translate into better health equity uh, outcomes? Um, I do also want to mention, that like, because this is such a broad-based partnership, like our other partners, uh, we talked about um, Lurie, who's here today. They've been a partner since day one, Um, the the Illinois Medical District, and Northern Trust as well, because, um, you know, we had no experience in doing this, and a lot of hospitals or endowments and foundations have investment programs. They rely on external investment consultants uh, to some extent for research and manager sourcing this is not a space they know and so uh, for us to be able to access northern trust research their guidance their expertise it's just been uh very beneficial for us so i think you know we're looking for you know partners we know we can't solve this alone and um you know to the extent we have partners like the ama like lurie um i think you know we can really make an impact here thanks
10: So Diana, moving to you, um, can you speak to the AMA's initial health equity engagement goals and how they expanded with your joining the Westside United?
8: Yeah, um, so where do I start? So I I, I smile at Alex and Debbie because when we started this process they gave us a landing space, right? We were really interested in what this could look like. It was one of the first projects when I was brought in almost three years ago. Um, My colleague at the time, um, the Office of General Counsel, um, said we're interested in figuring out how we invest in the West Side. Some of our programming areas, as Dr. Madera mentioned, um, improving health outcomes was doing hypertension work. Our social responsibility was here doing volunteer work. But we were looking to figure out how we broaden our equity, right? And how we show up in communities and how we then facilitate equity in the AMA. Um, and by having a collaborative, a table we could come to was really helpful, right? So having not done any social impact investing as the AMA, it was like, what does that look like? Who was there? So quite honestly, the legitimacy of all the hospitals and Northern Trust made it an easier sell to kind of say, this is how we can do well and do better in their communities. Like, how do we show up and what of our opportunity? It also gave us a way to kind of figure out how we operationalize um, Equity in all that we do. And so Alex mentioned like managers and how we invest in community and who's there. By joining a group that invests in CDFIs, we're working with institutions that are close to the ground, but also with Westside United, who says, okay, this community needs other things, the other wraparound services to support economic development. What happens next? And so that brought it full circle for us. The next part about this was learning about what it meant to have a triple or quadruple bottom line. right? How do we meet our mission for advancing the betterment of the art and science of health and the betterment of public, um, the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health? What did it mean to meet an equity imperative? Our financial goals, right? Those are, those are uh, incredibly important as well. And also improve and meet the missions of um, the West Side United and co- and communities. And so by looking at what, how we can invest, how we maximize and leverage that, and how we then also get to address the social and structural drivers of health were really important. What this really meant is how do we put this all together, right? And so by operationalizing this work with investments, by looking about how to come an anchor mission partner, we got to facilitate equity across our divisions in a way that you wouldn't be able to do in theory. We can sit and talk about how you're going to make equity work in your organization, but how do we do it from top to bottom? How do we think about it in hiring? How do we think about it in our investments? How do we think about it in our programming? How do we think about it for our own employees who call this home? And so it was... um, an experience and an honor to kind of be part of that, right? How do we we advance our work? How do we demonstrate this and how do we add to it? Um, So I've been very lucky um, to have people um, in our senior management, including our CEO, Dr. Madera, but our CFO, um, who helped us think about what our possibilities were to do this. Um, I think that oftentimes with organizations large like AMA, there's this idea that we can give out grants, right? But to that point, the social impact investing perpetuates itself, right? Mm-hmm. It continues in a way that's not just charity. It's saying we're partners in this, and we advance forward. So, I think that answers your question. I'll yeah. try to get a bunch of things yeah, in, but yeah. I think no. it's both about like how we get to do it and how we get to be part of it as well.
10: Thank you. Aisha, can you talk a little bit about the work of Westside United, how it may have inspired other communities to do similar types of partnerships, either in Chicago or even across the country?
4: Absolutely. So the hallmark of our work is really rooted in the partnerships that we have with the healthcare um, partners that we have coming to the table making a commitment, delivering, not over promising, under delivering um, and then bringing community in as equal stakeholders has been part of the secret sauce. So when you think about our, our management or our, our structure, we've got our hospital partners that sit across from community leaders like Richard Townsale and others that really go through the day to day in terms of what our sustainability looks like. So they're infused in the working groups. They're at the table making decisions about where investments go and that was a very powerful moment for me in my second month in the role um, going to the Garfield Park Community Council to sit around the table to decide where investments would go um, in that initial social impact investing round. So I think that spirit when we talk about trust building. When we talk about um, leading a national model that does not exist anywhere in the country um, the hallmarks of that are the foundations of that intentionality that was baked in at the onset with healthcare saying we see our role and how we've played to the disinvestment and structural racism to some degree we come to the table ready to listen and to deliver in partnership with community and that in turn has brought the AMA and others alongside the journey as they stand up and build out what health health equity looks like and means um, to them. So I would say it is the, the, the success and sustainability has been rooted in the urgency, the transparency of healthcare the, the infusion of community voice at every level and us position, positioning ourselves to really think through what it means to be equitable from access to care and looking at what we can impact when we think about the key drivers in life expectancy and where we find ourselves today with a drop in life expectancy due to COVID Mm. is a a conversation around our North Star, which has always been to decrease the gap by 50%, by 2030, in partnership with. We are now coming back to the table, heeding the voice of community, heeding data to think about how we can be more impactful. And so it is about rethinking access to care, rethinking how we support businesses, where we invest, how we invest, um, how do we think through the employee pipeline and who we get into the open positions, what career pathways they have access to, how that trickles back to internships. And each of our healthcare partners are leaders and masters in those spaces, so we leverage their genius and resources and bring in community leaders like Khalee Stewart, who's new to our community advisory council um, in this cohort, to sit around the table to join Richard and others as we think through um, how we continue to lead the country in this work.
10: That's great. And I would say, I think it's a fantastic model. I work with other hospitals in other communities. And the fact that Lori and Rush was so specific that this be community-centered and community-driven and community-led is pretty unique um, because there are other hospitals that are doing this work but it's very much they're directing resources and they're directing investments and I think that what you're describing really reflects the importance of having this work really grounded and owned in the community um, so I just think Lori and Russ, you guys had exactly the right idea and it's so great to see it come together in this way and to have you describe it like that which gets me to the community person on our panel here. So, you know, Richard, um, why don't you just, I think, and this isn't on the script here, but can you just give us a little bit about your organization? Because I just think it's so inspiring. Um,
12: sure. Uh, Lawndale Christian Development Corporation is, will be 35 years old this year. We are a church-based community development corporation. So we've Developed about 536 units of affordable housing in our history, about $120 million of development. We've done everything from child care centers to single family homes uh, from the ground up and rehabbed vacant, beautiful gray stones and sold them to people in the neighborhood to own. We manage a lot of what we own, and uh, we're in the middle. I was hoping to announce today that we uh, have a notice to proceed on building the first thousand homes in North Lawndale for working families. Uh, But the city... uh, (laughs) But... We're still waiting for them to approve our uh, payment and performance bond at the city. Uh, we we're hoping all week that uh-huh. they would approve it, and uh, we haven't yet. But we're going to build 1,000 homes on the west side and 1,000 homes on the south side with partners like the Resurrection Project and Southwest Organizing Project and C&I and uh, Pastor James Meeks in Roseland. So we're very ambitious trying to build homes for working people so that they can stay in the city of Chicago is you see what's going on in California and in New York and in D.C. and other places, you know, uh, places where black and brown folks can no longer live because they become too uh, unaffordable. And so we're trying to make sure that our folks can stay.
10: So you're really you're a place-based comprehensive yep. community development. You're looking at all aspects. So when we talk about yep. social determinants of health, that's you. Yeah. Like you are looking at every single yep. social determinant of health. Well us.
12: Our health clinic. I'm part of the North Northlandale Community Coordinating Council. There are 13 organizations, including Sinai and uh, Urban Health Institute. I see. Deborah there, who uh, keeps me in line most of the time. And uh, and so for us, it is not just about an institution, but it's about how we all work together to rebuild community. So. Great.
10: So you are a borrower of
12: capital. Like yes.
10: all the things you described cannot yep. happen without capital. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about that? I know you're, you work with the CDFIs that mm-hmm. we all invest in. Yep. But can you just talk about the power of capital
12: to you? What it sure.
10: means to you? How hard it is to get?
12: <laughs> so I remember 30 years ago, you know, when I was two, um, yeah.
10: <laughs>
12: when uh, banks would lend. And so we had, uh, Northern Trust uh, was a uh, lender, Calvin Holmes, who was on our board, um, you guys helped us acquire a bunch of vacant buildings on the 2200 block of South Avers. We renovated them. with a very innovative model for lease purchase, so people, they couldn't tra- uh, access traditional mortgages. And so we did a lease purchase program, transformed the block. Shortly thereafter, Chase Bank helped us buy and purchase rehab loans on vacant buildings that we converted to condos. Bank of America, which was LaSalle at the time, helped us. And so it was, you know, when I was two, there was a lot of lending activity going on mm. in North Lawndale with banks. Today it's more CDFI, so it's changed somewhat, right? Mm. WBEZ did this piece on where banks don't lend, and so we're still struggling to get capital in neighborhoods like North Lawndale. Um, we've worked with List Chicago, we've worked with IFF, uh, CIC, all of them, and I would dare say it's critical and what Westside United is doing with uh, CDFIs is critical because we, we need the capital. Because like I said before, we're trying to make sure that, you know, 20 years from now, people in our neighborhood are able to stay, but not just stay, but also to have equity and wealth. And so uh, CDFIs right now are critical in that, in that equation.
10: Great. Thank you. So um, I think we're going to wrap up here. And we're just going to go around uh, one last time. Um, I think what I would like you to talk about is any advice you would have for anyone sitting in the audience that may be thinking about how they, can they support this work, um, uh, how they might themselves like, join in this effort, um, you know, anything that you want to share um, around that topic.
11: Uh, well, I think, you know, we're talking a lot about CDFIs, and obviously institutions can lend to CDFIs, but also individuals can. Like, you can, you can uh, make deposits at CDFIs, and so at a personal level, you can help support that. Um, so I think that's one way. And, um, you know, for, at an institutional level, um, you know, I think all of us are open to talking to anyone that has an interest in learning more about what West United does and sharing information, and so, you know, our, our, our doors are open.
8: Yeah, I think for the AMA, one of our commitments to this work was to bring others. We're the first non-health system anchor mission partner. So what could that look like? How do people want to join us in that and rethink about how they do equity? So we're really looking forward to and exploring how we bring others who aren't traditional health systems, right, but are vested in their community and have a mission to support their communities to be part and show up with all their resources to figure out how we do this.
4: And I would just echo everything you both just said, but also to think um, about within your institutions how, or as an individual, how you can give back. Um, so at West Side United we have a community advisory council, we have working groups, and across our communities when we think about communities that have the lowest life expectancy like where we sit today, there are things happening like the Sankofa Wellness Village in Garfield Park, which is a contender for the Chicago Prize, one of the six. And so the idea is that we are going to co-locate in this corridor that has been disinvested to some degree since the riots in 1968 when Dr. King was assassinated, a wellness center um, that co-locates Erie Family Health, Rush University Community Health Worker Hub, there's a credit union coming in that space, Westside United Headquarters, also within that corridor, there's an art center and there's a small business incubator. So that we hope to help uh, continue the build out through our partnerships with our CDFIs, additional supports from our health systems, and there are ways in which you can, can join in those hyper-local efforts as well. So just wanted to give that as an example.
12: Jordan? And I'll end by saying you know, we're trying to build 1,000 homes and our goal was to raise a $25 million fund Right now we have about 13 million. Uh, if we had a $25 million fund, we could build 100 homes at a time. We're trying to build, uh, we're trying to sell homes for less than $250,000 uh, for a three bedroom, two bath home, uh, which is unprecedented in Chicago, and I would dare say most places in the country. But right now we only have about 13 million and we need another 12. And so if there are folks, banking partners, high net worth individuals that want to contribute to our reclaiming uh, trust, uh, be very helpful because we we want to get started, but we don't have the capital to build all the homes we want to build.
10: Great. Thank you, everyone. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Debbie.
0: Thank, thank you, Debbie. Thanks to the entire panel. Um, we do have a host of of questions, um, but we do have one other person to hear from, and I think we're a little bit behind, Amanda. Um, let's go for one If anyone needs to leave, please go ahead. These are some great questions. Uh, And and Kim Osmond from the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center uh, asked, if you all will take just a minute, I should have asked that first. Uh, Have you found yourselves being successful in community buy-in when making improvements, or are people suspicious of improvements equating to gentrification? Like Richard? Does anyone want to take that one?
12: I think it's both and. I think people have been promised things for a long time and haven't seen them actually delivered. And so one of the things that's unique about us is that we're not just a real estate developer. We do organizing work. And so we've helped to build this homeowners association which has about 243 homeowners in it. And so we don't you know, go forward unless we have relationships um, of deep trust and respect. Part of being part of North Lawndale Community Coordinating Council, you know, we have thirteen committees, all you know, staffed uh, by volunteers from the neighborhoods and that have expertise in each one of those areas. And so we have, again, relationships of mutual respect and trust. And the other part of it is I live in North Lawndale. I've lived in North Lawndale for most of my life. And so I've raised my kids there, born and raised there. And so I see people in the park, at the grocery store, everywhere. So if people are not happy they tell you. And so uh, <laughs> So you got to be willing to be accountable too Great
0: Thank you, thanks again to our panel If you don't mind hanging up on the stage for just one minute I'm going to introduce our our final guest um, Dr. John Rich Um, Dr. Rich is the inaugural director of the Rush-Demo Institute for Health Equity Uh, The theme of partnerships clearly uh, recurring here um, so they're, they're here to promote health equity across all dimensions of Russia's mission. Another great partner, I'd like to welcome Dr. John Rich.
13: Thank you. It's good to see everyone here. And I just want to thank you all for making time to be here, to be a part of this conversation, but also to bear witness to the power of this Collaborative effort to invest in community. We're proud that so many of these efforts have been making an impact for years and that we have so many partners with us to do this work. As we mentioned, the Rush BMO Institute for Health Equity was created so that our care, our research, our education efforts across Rush are aligned so that we can have the greatest impact. We believe that this is an inside-out process. We have to do our own internal alignment work in order to be true partners to community. And while I'm the director of the Institute, I bring with me my history as a public health primary care physician, and I know that we can't only treat the symptoms as painful as they are. We always have to think about the root causes. And there's a firm body of evidence that has existed that tells us that the root causes of early death and preventable disease like heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes are rooted in structural causes like structural racism and socioeconomic causes. And we've known that for so long. More than 100 years ago, W.E.B. Du Bois in his seminal work, The Philadelphia Negro, wrote about what was happening in communities and made the connection between these structural inequalities. So it's not new. We know what to do. But this powerful coming together to invest in community, to think about those structural causes, is important. And we've had a great discussion today about these coordinated approaches and the power of investment. We just keep in mind that because these approaches are working, and they take time to work. I hope you share my optimism that this is a strong opportunity for the entire private sector. These investments create jobs, improve housing, support communities, and will translate directly into healthier people and communities in these wonderful historic neighborhoods. We've talked about health equity in terms of investment in community. And I always come back to thinking about the individuals. And so I have an image in my head of little Aisha walking down the streets and, and, and how important it is to have these businesses and vibrant corridors where people are coming together. And so it is always about the, the grandparents, the parents, the families, the children coming together and the intergenerational value of giving everyone the opportunity to have the best, healthy, and longest life. And so, working towards health equity is an aspiration that we can commit to together. Thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you for the work and the conversation.
0: Thank you, Doctor. Thanks, everyone, for for being here. Uh, You know you're in the right place at the hatchery when you see Mayor Stephen Benjamin uh, stop in who I believe is around the corner here. Uh, the former president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors uh, and mayor of, of Columbia travels the world now uh, sharing best practices and ideas. So clearly we're in, a, we're in a pretty good spot here on the west side of Chicago. Uh, and thanks Mayor Benjamin for stopping by. Um, you all are, you're changing lives, you're saving lives on a daily basis. It's amazing. Thank you for all that you're doing uh, on behalf of the City Club of Chicago uh, we are proud just to be able to provide this platform for you all to, to tell these amazing stories so thank you thank you thank you hope you'll all join us again uh, everyone that made this happen it's, uh, this was an incredible day and we hope you'll enjoy some coffee and some food and uh, a tour of the hatchery that uh, we're going to get started just behind this wall in, in just a few minutes uh, thank you for being here have a great day see you all soon.